Internets, the holiday season is here, and there is no better time than to get you or your loved one a Bevel product. If you don't know what Bevel is, I want you to head on over to getbevel.com forward slash Pete. Let me tell you something. They have the best shaving and grooming products in the game. If you want to try and go to Target and grab some, it could be possible, but it's probably sold out. So why don't you go get a discount, get yourself some free shipping at getbevel.com forward slash Pete. Barbers are using the shaver. Everyone's using the razor. Listen, it's holiday season for a loved one. Buy a bevel. Cheer. Internets, man. I'm so excited, man. I just got back from Houston. What what an amazing weekend. We did the live Premium Pete show there at the Grand Opening, and we work in Houston at the Gallery. Shout, shout out to the whole team over there. Just a real great team. If you don't know what WeWork is, man, I suggest you go to your local WeWork and really understand and find out what's going on, man. Creatives go there. Business owners go there. People, freelancers, people like me, you go there and get the game started and get and, and really just create projects or just run businesses out of there. If you want to stay home, honestly, and, and, and try to work from home, you're probably going to dilly-dally. You're probably going to, you know, smoke a joint or, you know, eat a Twinkie. You know, you get lazy, man. We work. Trust me, it's where it's at. But anyway, listen, I, I, I can't wait for that episode. That episode will drop the Houston Live Premium Pete Show, okay? I, honestly, Internets, I want to be very honest with you, okay? From a kid from Brooklyn, you know, just... You know, a troublesome kid getting locked up at a young age, really, really, you know, just being lost and almost getting lost in the source in the system. Spending a couple of years there, it was a dark time. To, to honestly, to 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 be able to have the mayor of Houston, the former mayor of Houston that I brought out, man. I, it, besides many other things, my brother Bumby was in the building, Willie D was in the building, Zero was in the building. I mean, look, when that episode is dropped, man, it's gonna be a great one. But I really had a great time and. For those who know or may not know, me and my brother Bun B, along with our brand, You Gotta Eat This, the food site, the food, you know, uh, uh, food, food PR co- company, we collaborated with You and Athletics and made a sushi inspired shoe. Okay? Sneaker. I'm gonna tell you why. Me and Bun, one of the first times we, me and Bun met, it was through sneakers. And then we went ham on the sushi. So we figured one day, if we ever got a chance, why don't we make something different? And I'll tell you, I come from the days of sneakers telling stories, all the Nike SBs telling stories. And I'll tell you one thing, man. There's nothing better than a a sneaker telling a story. Not every sneaker tells stories these days. So what we did was we put wasabi leather in in, in the uh, sock liner. The upper has all salmon, okay? The the backstrap tabs have chopsticks inspired. And, And it's all sitting on white rice which is the soul if you listen go check it out just put in sushi uh premium pete you know you gotta eat this or whatever sushi bun b premium pete you'll see it's all over the internet shouts to everyone who supported it all my friends in the sneaker world all my friends in in, in the hip-hop blogs blogosphere and, and just really everybody man i mean even food beast put it up so i really appreciate it we dropped that exclusively in houston and it was it, it was super special man it was super special uh man you know what I love about Houston? I just love how people aren't afraid to show love. Like, real talk, man. People aren't afraid to show love. Just come out and support. And I just feel like being a New Yorker is the most amazing thing in the world because I feel like it gives you that grit and, 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 and that determination that you can win anywhere. But I also think that sometimes, like, we're too strong and too cold and moving too quick. And sometimes, like, you know, like Houston cats, every time I've gone there, man, 
People ain't afraid. I always use this example, so I'll use it one more time. If you get a Mercedes, a new, a brand new Mercedes, and you live in Brooklyn or you live in New York, some of your friends are like, oh, shit, look at P. He got a Mercedes now. Damn, I think he owes me $20 from like three years ago. In Houston, they're like, oh, man, that, man, that's dope, man. Let me fill up your tank for the first time. That's how I feel. That Southern hospitality is real, and I appreciate Houston. Thank you for always fucking with the kid. Thank you for always supporting me. Listen, that Ewing, you got to eat this. Uh, um, me and Bumby designed the, the sushi, we called it. Was a hit at the Sneaker Summit. It will be. It's available now too. Anybody who wants it, hit me up. Email me. Uh, my email is in my bio on anywhere, Twitter, Instagram. If you want it now, email me. Or also be releasing at the top of the year in very limited quantities. But thank you, Houston, for fucking with me, man. I was really. I, I had such a great time, man. Then I went over Bun's house, brought the homie Isaiah with me. We had oxtail that uh, Bun's wife Queenie cooked. Man, that shit put me to sleep. And then I was on the plane, fucking. Just just knocked out, man. Mouth open, flies and fucking flying in there and shit. But, you know, we, we it doesn't stop. And and I, that's what I want to say, too. In this world, I think that, you know, when you're moving and shaking, there's a lot of moving and shakers out there. It doesn't have to be just only podcasts or sneakers. You know, sometimes you could get lost in the sauce. You know, it's like I come, you know, I hit, I hit the ground running. I land in Houston. We do a live show. We bring out a bunch of dope, dope individuals from the community. You know, the sneak is a big hit. We, you know, taking pictures, signing boxes, you know, getting rid of what we designed and, and just really taking a minute to appreciate that. And then, you know, literally, you know, moving and grooving, take a late night flight home, wake up in the morning, I'm changing my son's diaper. So, you know, it, it, it's the life is, I always say it, it, it's a seesaw, man, you know, and, and, and reality sets in real quick. I'll never forget when Memphis Bleak told me a long time ago, he was like, yo, I could go stay in the in the best hotel for six months. I still got to come home after that and see the same counters or the same, you know, dresser or the same closet. And, you know, life is life is real, man. Life is real. Life is not always movie starish. And I think that when you get grounded like that and you stay humble like that, it makes you a better person, in my opinion. But anyway, listen, Internet's, man, I'm so excited uh, that we were able to do that live show in Houston. Toronto, L.A., you are on deck. Uh, also, I want to tell you, Yo, shouts to everyone who hit me that were on the check-in. Listen, I asked for three things last week, and I'm, I'm going to let you know again for those who may not listen. Wherever you're at, wherever you're listening from now, take a moment, go on Twitter, at Premium Pete, at the Premium Pete Show. Let me know where you're listening from. Check the fuck in. I appreciate y'all. Number two thing I, I mentioned last week, and I'm going to mention it again. Let me know what books you're reading. I got a bunch of people hit me, told me what books that they're reading. Man, thank you. Thank you for that advice. And number three is, I said, look, we can't help each other unless we really help each other. So if you present yourself right and you're doing a podcast yourself also, I want to listen to it. Maybe I'll get on the phone with you, give you some information. I mean, I've been doing it so many years. Maybe I'll tell you what I think is good or what I think is not good. But you've got to present yourself correctly on the email. Don't just be like, yo, what's good? Nah, man. Put the email at the Premium Pete Show at gmail.com. Again, email thepremiumpeacher at gmail.com. Email me your podcast. Just explain to me what it's about. Put a link in there. I will get to it. Yo, first of all, shout out to everyone who did send me. I will be listening to it. Give me some time. Have some patience. I'll listen to it. For people listening now that didn't hear this, send it to me, thepremiumpeacher at gmail.com. Just explain it. I'll take a listen. And who knows? Maybe we'll jump on a fucking call. I'll talk with you, your cousin, your sister. Shout out to your sister. I see you. But listen, Again, shouts to everyone in Houston. Thank you for showing the kids so much love. 
you know, and, 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 and I really want to take the opportunity and time to really say like, yo, I, I, and, and you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. When you, when you are spinning and that's something I feel like I'm always doing you. And I tell this to people, anybody who's listened to me over the years, you know, I always ask people like, yo, do you take the time to celebrate? I remember the other day I was so busy trying to get things in order trying to get down to Houston, trying to make sure the show was going to be okay to run a show, trying to make sure the sneaker would release in time and everything would be okay. And then all of a sudden, let me tell you something. You know, somebody was like, yo, you got a shoe releasing? I was like, yeah. They're like, yo, congratulations. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I got to go in a... So I already dismissed the fact, and I didn't take my own advice that I always talk to people about, about taking a moment to appreciate the journey. Because let me tell you something, this shit is, this shit is a marathon. It's not no, you know, it's not no small little thing. It's a marathon, Internet. So take patience, take time, but most importantly, appreciate the moments along the way. It means that much. It fucking means that much. But anyway, listen, this episode you're about to get into, I taped it, I would say, about a couple of months ago. And there was a point where I thought I wasn't going to put it out. Reason being is because I didn't agree with everything he said. And, and and not that I didn't want to put it out because I didn't agree with everything he said. It's just just because I was like, if the, is this how a cop thinks? And and not that I need to prove to anyone how a cop thinks because I think that a lot of people have seen the climate that we're in in these days. But I'll be honest with you, as I started to think about it, I said to myself, man, this is an episode where you could take a look inside of how a cop thinks and how a cop operates and how a cop who's been around and in, this, in, in, in the force for so many years and hear all these stories and journeys that he's been through. Internet, I already said, the most decorated cop in New York history, Ralph Friedman, I present the episode to you now. Come on, everybody, get set, let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up, it's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low, listen to the show, cause Milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Internet, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. I'm sitting here with labeled as the most decorated cop in in history or, or, or get it right for me detective most decorated detective i also yeah. read something on the post that that they were considering you the toughest cop in new york city has only one regret so right off the bat for people who don't even know of you and never heard of you what is that regret that you have well i was working on a case undercover to catch the uh bombers of the uh francis tavern bombing mm. This was back in 1975, and uh, I was doing undercover work with a confidential informer, and uh, due to some circumstances, I wasn't able to complete the job, and I felt at the top point I was stopped that I had them in my, you know, in a position where I could have effected an arrest, and no arrest has been made to this date, and there was a... Four people killed and like 52 people injured. It was in Manhattan, New York City here. Very famous uh, thing by the uh, FALN, mm. which was a, one of the first Puerto Rican terrorist groups on the uh, in New York City. Really? Where they create, did a bombing. That's crazy. I, when was this? What year was this? It was 1975. Wow. 
See, I think that was almost the year I was born. God damn. <laughs> but, uh, and you were out there chasing terrorists. So, so yeah, what were you saying? Well, I was working on this case, and you know, like I said, I got stopped at a certain point, and it was actually the point where I felt I was just about to arrest them. But why'd you Maybe. get stopped? Well, to make a long story short, really the details are in my book. I have a book out, Street Warrior, uh, which you can get on Amazon.com. But that goes into the detail. But basically, they feel there was an infraction on my part with the committed, with the uh, confidential informant. And a, a sergeant who was overseeing the uh, investigation stopped the, uh, stopped the investigation at that point. Mm. You know, you, uh, you speak about um, being the most, uh, well, I don't know where it was labeled, decorated detective, you know. In where? What do they say? In, in New York City. New York City. You know, as as I went over a bunch of things about you, you've gotten medals, like what, 200 and something medals? Uh, 219 department medals and about 40 medals from uh, outside the police department, like uh, community groups and uh, clubs and stuff mm. that present awards to police officers. You know, you grew up in the Bronx yes. and then became a police officer in the Bronx. It's like you almost had like home home court advantage, you know. Yeah. <laughs> were you were you you know the people you knew that were doing things around there, back in the day, were you handling them? Meaning, you know, uh, uh, you know, somebody has a joint, you talk to them, or you know, put that out before I have to arrest you. Was it different that you lived in the Bronx, and then you became a police officer <clears throat> there? That people knew you and like, oh, now you want to well, arrest me? It wasn't exactly like that. I was known in my neighborhood. Mm. Because I was a regular guy in the neighborhood. Sure. And, you know, I, I played football. I was on the school baseball team. You know, I hung out. I raced cars. And I, I worked in all the local stores. And I was known in the street there. But when I did become a police officer, I was sent to a different part of the Bronx. And it was a totally different experience. Because where I grew up, it was predominantly Jewish, Italian, and Irish. Mm. But where I was sent in the south part of the Bronx... I ran, that's when I worked um, in the neighborhoods that were mostly Puerto Rican and black at the time mm -hmm. and had junkies and stuff. And we didn't experience this where I was. And the, the violence that was in the streets, uh, it was the ghetto part of the borough of mm -hmm. the Bronx mm -hmm. where I didn't frequent or hang out or work or play. But how, so I was exposed yeah. to something totally different. Yeah. How hard is that to be a cop or a detective or whatever, you know, that, you know, the steps you took? When you're dealing with, like, you come from an area where it's, like, Italian and Jewish, and, and then all of a sudden, smack down, you got junkies that are coming at you, I'm sure, or, or, or you know, well, how did you react You learn to how to survive, you know, and you, uh, first off, you're trained, you know. What uh, does that even mean for people who may not even know? Well, you go through the police academy, and in those years, the police academy was four months long, mm -hmm. but you did it uh, eight hours a day, there was... Uh, three hours of gym and four hours of class and a one-hour break. And you're taught the laws and procedures in the classroom. And then when in the gym, you they, you know, get you physically in shape to do the job. And you're also trained in some boxing and all types of police techniques on how to use a nightstick, how to use a day stick, how to put on cuffs, uh, there's training methods and techniques that you learn, and you learn. Then you go at some point, you go to the firing range, and you learn how and when to use your weapon. Mm. 
And then you're equipped, you know, mentally and physically, and you go out into the street, and uh, you learn other things in the street as you go along from, uh, you know, handling cases and from working with other officers who've been in the street before you. You know, you um, just just not being in a neighborhood, you know, I always wonder, like, I'm a Brooklyn kid. I grew up in Brooklyn. You know, I remember my uh, grandmother had a country house in uh, in, in Pennsylvania. And we used to visit, and I used to feel like it was a getaway. You know, we used to go up there. There was a lake and everything. But it was totally different to me, totally different people, totally different style, how people move. Even now, I live in Jersey. I don't know if I could have grew up in Jersey, maybe because I grew up in New York. But, you know, the kids that grew up there, is totally different for them. So what I'm saying, as a cop, you know, you grew up, you know, um, in the Bronx and in, in a neighborhood that was more, say, peaceful. You know, well, I grew up in the North Bronx, okay, and then I worked in the South Bronx, yeah. and it was a world of difference. Yeah, well, I guess the reason why I asked for it is because it's like, you know, you're dealing with totally different people, people that you you probably weren't even witness to or used to. And back in the day, I do feel like, and and this is you know <clears throat> your opinion that I want. Back in the day, I do feel like people gave a little bit more chance as a cop, meaning like, you know, now it's like maybe. People don't get to know the community. Like, the cop doesn't take the time to, you know, go around. Like, when I was growing up, I knew the cops. Cop knew me. At this time, I had a joint, and, you know, he's like, hey, listen, put that away. Or Do you feel it's still like that or well, no? Well, when I went to the South Bronx, there was no joints around. Mm. You know, the only drug I saw was heroin. Mm. I didn't see another drug until I got transferred. When I got promoted to detective and went back to the uh, North Bronx. Mm. But we, the only drug we saw was uh, heroin. You know, they couldn't afford Coke at the time, and pills weren't big, and they didn't buy with marijuana. Yeah. You know, weed wasn't, you know, a big thing in the ghetto, mm. you know, at that point. Mm. And uh, it was only heroin out there and junkies. But, you know, I treated everybody with respect until they didn't uh, return it. You know, mm. you get treated decent until you show me you deserve something different. Mm. You know, you... Um you, we went over before. You said you had 219 um, total medals, right? Uh, from the police department. From the police department. Um, with somebody, I mean, is that normal for someone to have 219 medals? No, no, that's okay, definitely so, out of So how, do, how does, just well, somebody listening at home, like, how the fuck does that even happen? You know, like, how does... Well, I was always out there. I was always willing to get involved. And I took actions and I did uh, plain clothes work and made arrests that stood out. And I got myself involved in situations. Uh, not that other police wouldn't have done the same thing, but I was willing, I was out there all the time. And I don't know if you want to say I was in the wrong place at the right time or the right place at the wrong time, but I was always there. I was one of these guys that always fell into things. Mm. And I was, uh, you know, willing to take the action. And um, some of them were outstanding stuff that I got recognized by my superiors. Mm. And the police department or the mayor. You know, uh, with all the injuries and the near-death experiences, and from what say, you know, a lot of people say is very low pay, you know, the sacrifices and the family for being a police officer, you know? Why keep going? You know, what made you well, keep on going? I think police police officers are a different breed that, I mean, you know, you have this calling that, you know, you can't go out and help everybody. It's not like... You're going to save the world, but you're doing something. They have It's a calling, and you, you're not doing it just for the money. 
because most cops could make more money doing something else. But it's this, you know, if you help one person, you're helping. You know, or if you save a life, it's a tremendous feeling when you take bad guys off the street. You know, and it's a, it's a calling. It's a, it's more of more of a, a lifestyle than a job. Yeah, but I mean, there are people who are providing for their family, and and that is the only job they have, and it's not the best pay. You know what I mean? And and but there's a big satisfaction when you take a bad guy off the street who preys on innocent and weak people. I'm yeah. sure, but I don't. I'm, I don't know if everyone has that same opinion. You know what I mean? Well, the cops that I've always worked with have known, and I've, and I've known. In this day and age, you don't think that the cops should make more money? Well, I always think the police can make more money. But I mean, you know what? You know what I think? I think that if the cops made more money and had a harder time, you know, mean, meaning a harder, like, like, just made it harder to become a cop, made them more, more, more. Um, you know, maybe more, you know, things, you know, ropes and, and, and hoops and, and things they had to jump through. Because you can't just become a cop and then, you know, and not have the training they have, you know. More training, probably, I guess, is, is what I mean. Well, they require today that you have to have a certain amount of college degrees to become a cop and be promoted. I'm not, you know, I don't always think that's the correct thing. You got to have street smarts. And, you know, we didn't have, we didn't have to take college then. But, you know, there's book smart and there's street smart. Yeah, you know, but you but, can't buy street smart, and you can't. No, you teach get that only smart. from experience. Yeah, you know, you got to be on the street, and you and you learn, and you have to use common sense, and sometimes you have to go, let's say, go around from exactly what they teach you in the police academy, because you're dealing with people, and you know it's not always set in stone how every person's going to act or react, and you have to adjust to that. Mm. You know. But you, but you know, this man. There's so many things besides going over your journey and career. I mean, there's so many things and in, in, in questions that I have just as a person. You know, um, you know, reason why I say the cops should make more money is I feel like if you gave, if you made it a job that these, that they were paid more, um, and and it wasn't the easiest job just to get into. I know you say it's the college credits, but. You know, I feel like more police officers would, you know, some of them I feel like it, it, it's, man, I, I don't even, you know, I've never been lost for words on certain things, but, you know, I'm trying to put these the right way because it's, it's. I just feel some, some police officers, like, I, I'll give you an example. I'm in Jersey, nice neighborhood. I get pulled over because I uh, didn't put a, a left blinker on, they said. I thought I did, even if I didn't. God bless. Ask for license and registration, no problem, officer. I get my license and registration. Cop looks at me, then in my face says, uh, what are you doing around here? So I guess maybe I should have just said, I live around here. But I said, officer, did you, did you look at my license? He said, I asked you, what are you doing around here? And I said, officer, did you look at my license? Just as a regular man, like a regular, you, you know, you looked at my license. I seen him look at my license right in front of my face, so I just wanted to ask him. And uh, he says, I didn't ask you to ask you what you're doing around here. So finally, I says, look, I'm not going to play this game with, you know, I'm not trying to get in trouble for no reason. I said, officer, I live around here, right up the block. I'm a homeowner. It's a problem. But he, I felt he wanted to just put this type of, like, uh, fear in me. You know, right, let that, me explain okay, it. Yeah, I'm, okay. Okay. We all know putting a blinker is not a serious, anything serious. But how do you think the police find... Stolen cars. Mm. 
If your car was stolen, you'd want the police stopping a car to recover that car for you. Mm. You work for the car, you spend your money, you spend your money, and minor infractions lead to bigger crimes. You know, a lot of times guys jump over train the the, the turnstiles, and they got a gun or a drug on them. You know, now he stopped you for whatever reason, but he's out there doing his job. He's checking on the car. Mm. Now, as far as asking you about where you know where you live, what are you or doing, what are you doing here? here? Yeah. A lot of people have fake licenses. They don't know the stuff on the license. They take it for granted. Maybe he thought it was forged. Maybe you didn't know. Maybe it ain't your license. Mm. You know what I mean? There's a lot of factors that go into this. Yeah. That officer that stopped you was doing pro-policing, which people should be grateful for. Because if it wasn't your car, you'd want that car back. Or if you didn't belong in that neighborhood, not that when you say belong. You know, people go to other neighborhoods to commit crime buy drugs, assault somebody, do anything. This guy, whoever stopped, he was doing their job. Mm. You know, everybody today doesn't like to get stopped. You know, let me just put it this way. If you would have said to him right away, uh, I live right there, officer, you wouldn't have to make the officer proceed to get to the point where he says, well, look, this is what I'm asking you. You're creating... Um, a, conf- a smaller confrontation, and they only lead to bigger ones. Yeah, It just... Everybody, no one likes to get stopped or deal with the police. And everybody thinks they have an entitlement. Cop was doing his job. If your car was stolen, you'd be really happy that he recovered your car. That's all I can say. But more importantly, you know, I mean, you you, you tell me you're into social, on Facebook and and Instagram. Um, You know, I'm sure you see so much stuff. And, like, recently I seen a video of a cop pulling over a black man for a blinker. But he had his hand on his gun. The whole time. And, and did you see that video I'm talking about? Where the guy well, was I've like, seen so many of them. You know, it's recently. It's recently. Well, let me put it this way. Menial things. Like, people take it for granted when they see a cop just pulling over a car or going to a family dispute. These are very, very dangerous situations. We just take them for granted because you see them every day. But the cop pulling over a car, he has no idea who's in that car. Did that guy just kill somebody down the block? Is he wanted for breaking out of prison? Did he just rob a store or beat up his wife or shoot somebody? You're getting into a very dangerous situation. And I don't blame any cop for having his gun, his hand on his gun. I always did. But how do you feel about, like, say, the shootings of unarmed black men that are going on in this world today? Listen, they uh, it's these situations are always, every situation's a different one. These guys make a fast motion. Sometimes they run away and the, uh, they point a gun at a cop. And the, I had a shooting where the gun wasn't recovered, mm. you know, and I was able to prove that he had a gun, way beyond a shot of a doubt. And I killed the guy, and the, it was justifiable. The circumstances. But why was it justifiable? Okay, I'm driving around on patrol. I get stopped by somebody, and they tell me a guy just robbed me. I said, okay, let's go look for him. He tells me, I know where he lives. I said, you know where he lives? He says, yeah, I know the guy. Okay, let's go to his house. I go to the guy's that me and my partner go to his house. We go right up to the apartment, knock on the door. Wife answers the door and tells us he's not home. I hear a window opening. So we charge past her and we see him going out the window, right? Now, the guy describes the gun to us beforehand. Right? He tells us he got whatever gun. It was a silver-plated gun, a thirty-eight, whatever. Okay. 
he goes out the window, and his window led to a taxpayer roof, which is over a store. From there, he leaped off the roof onto the ground, and when he got onto the ground, turned around and points a gun at us. We open fire, and we shoot and kill him. And we run downstairs. We had to go. We weren't going to jump off the roof like him. And we know that he's down now. We run through the apartment, back down the stairs. By the time we got down there, the gun was gone. Mm. So we also have, now we have a complainant who's swearing that he robbed him at gunpoint. And he describes the gun. So now I go back up. We search his apartment with a supervisor. And in this drawer where he sleeps, in a nightstand, are bullets that match the gun. Okay? So now we got a civilian witness who described the gun. You got bullets in this guy's house, in his nightstand, that match the gun that he described. And we start searching his closet, and we find a photo albums. And in there, he's posing with the gun that the guy described, and it matches the bullets. And there he is, like they pose on Facebook now, which we didn't have back then, and there he is posing with the gun. Polaroids. A one-hour photo. God bless one-hour photos. And there you go. You know, uh, when you shoot someone or even kill them, does it haunt you? Not at all. So is it some- saving my partner's life or my life or a civilian's life. I had Listen, police officer, when you take a shooting incident, the police officer doesn't have any choice. The choice is in somebody else's hands. Police officer's doing his job. The perpetrator has all the choices. He could surrender, get cuffed, and go to court and talk to his lawyer. He could fight the cop, which is his choice. He could run, which is his choice. He could try to stab the officer. He could try to shoot the officer. So the officer's only responding to that guy's choice. The officer was only doing his job and making an arrest. The perpetrator has all the choices. Mm. The officer doesn't. But If he chooses to resist arrest, that's his choice. Yeah. And the consequences, he's got to pay. But what about, okay, obviously, you know, you can't be blind to see what's been going on. There has been a lot of officers, like that officer in Minnesota. <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about? The Philando Castile, the one where he shot him and let him just bleed out his, his wife and the kid was in the back. In Minnesota, you know what I'm talking about? I'm not familiar with that single story. Well, any anything. Any any uh, of Listen, these. Do un- you know how many police actions are taken a day mm. across the United States by police? Must be millions. Whatever it is, stopping a car, responding to a robbery. And you and the what? There's always going to be one or two bad ones. No, but no, but I, you're talking about probably not even a tenth of one percent that goes wrong. The others are bad guys. These guys go to work like you go to work, but you don't expect to get killed on your job or get shot. Here. Police officers face that every day, no matter what they're doing. You got officers that are ambushed in their cars and killed for sitting there in a blue uniform. You're not going to get that. A doctor who's doing surgery, he's got a team of people with him, nurses, they could decide to do this or that. Judge got weeks and months to make up his mind. Every When a cop has to use his gun, it's a split second. There's no job in the world like that, except maybe the military. Yeah. But they have no, they no, have, everybody money, Monday morning quarterbacks them. Mm. What, what, I, guess, I guess what I'm trying to get at for this. Are there a mistake, mate? Are there, not, 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 I wouldn't say mistake. But we're talking about, I, do you think, I'm not going to say that any cop goes out there with the intention of just shooting somebody. I don't believe that. But even with all I these videos? I don't believe that. Like, what about the guy videos who... Videos start and stop with the guy who's running them. Mm. 
You know, they show a guy, a cop punching a guy in the face, but they don't show that the guy punched the cop in the face first. Mm. The video starts when you press the button. They could also be doctored after the fact. They could be photoshopped. You know, I don't believe all this stuff. You know, so you videos could be doctored. They make movies. They show you people getting killed in movies. It's fake. So what makes them? You don't believe in 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 any of these? I don't believe that a cop so you don't believe- goes out there with the intentions of purposely shooting a person. Well, a I- mistake could be happening. Tragedies. Someone says the guy's armed, and the guy turns around, and doesn't listen to the cop, and makes a motion, and the cop fears for his life and fires. Of course, that happens. And if the guy doesn't listen to a, a command, he's making the choice again. But I mean, there has been videos. This, this is what I guess what I'm trying to get out because this, like I said, videos start when the no, guy. No, I know, but there's been ca- dashboards and the cams of, of, of cops like that. They ask the guy to go get the uh, his license. First of the, all, you're never supposed to resist arrest, and you're supposed to obey an, an order. Mm. Just obey the order. There's avenues after an arrest. You can make complaints on police. You could file lawsuits. You could sue them. There's so many avenues you got. But if you res- if you resist arrest or don't follow a command, which is equivalent to not uh, following an order or being, you know, you're resisting arrest, mm. then you're taking your chances. Mm. You know, um, <laughs> I guess we're still not getting. Uh, do you, so you don't believe that any cop has the intention of killing anybody, right? Okay. I, 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 you know, with all due well, respect, you could, you I, I got to disagree, disagree with, with you. Me. And I'm going to tell you why. But you haven't worked with cops. Have you, you gone out with patrol? You, Have you had the job? No. No, no, I know. But what I'm saying is it's blatant these days. It ain't blatant. It's, I'm, I'm, I mean, I got to disagree. I don't think it's blatant. It, it, you know how many of these shootings that the officer doesn't get indicted? It's just a small crowd that makes a lot of noise that gets the attention. Of course it's going to make the news because it's something out of the ordinary. Mm. And you got a small amount of people that make a lot of noise. Mm. I, I'm not saying there are mistakes made. Or if a guy isn't armed but acts like he's armed or doesn't follow a command and gets shot, that's his choice. Let's go over somebody like Eric Garner. Poli- you oh, know the guy man, from Staten Island? I know that case inside out. So you think that was right? Here's I, the thing. Okay. okay. Here's the thing I want to even make a big, bigger point on because I feel like I don't want to hit a brick wall with you. Here's the biggest thing. A lot of cops, I feel, shot where they could have done, if these are unarmed men, okay? There's been a lot of black men that have been killed. But forget about black, let's just say people. Why couldn't they do other things? Meaning like, you couldn't shoot them in the leg? You couldn't shoot That's movie un- stuff. You're not taught to shoot no leg or arm. That's out, 100% no good. You aim for the solid mass. Every department you taught that. Do you know how hard it is? That's movie stuff you're talking about. And Eric Gardner resisted arrest, and that officer never, ever used a chokehold. He used a takedown hold that I've used over a thousand times. That guy was 350 or 375 pounds, yeah. resisted arrest. This is not, you know, when a cop tells you you're under arrest, you're under arrest. This is not a dental appointment where you adjourn it or you say, I call up, I can't make it. I saw that video a hundred times. That cop acted 100% correct and the way he was taught. Nobody hit Garner when he was on the floor. Nobody kicked him. Nobody did anything yeah, to that but he choked him. He, no, he did not. He took him down. I can choke that a choke call. No, it's not. There's no, not even this. But Why do you think he wasn't indicted? Because he did nothing wrong. Because he was white. No, he did nothing wrong. 
I don't believe that. He did nothing wrong. I've done that a thousand times. And I'm mm. not exaggerating. Mm. There's nothing wrong what he did. He never cut off his breathing in front of him. He took him down, and then no one assaulted him or kicked him or hit him. So him that saying, guy was so, 100% so, right. So him saying, I can't breathe. Well, you can't. He made the choice to resist arrest. For, otherwise, every perpetrator would say that. So that means every time, what are we playing, like six-year-old kids, and you say, uncle? This ain't games. No, I know what you're saying, but what I'm saying that is means if, every if guy someone's who unarmed. Want, every guy who doesn't want to be subdued says, I can't breathe. Yeah. Then you can't make any arrest. You know, so that means you want to do it right. No, I don't, want, I don't want to take anything away from he your career. He backed up. But, yeah. He's 375 pounds or so, and he says, I'm not being arrested. That's it. He goes down and he gets cuffed no matter what it takes. They didn't shoot him. They didn't kick him after he was down. Everything on that tape was 100% perfect. And that's why he's not indicted. That's why the feds aren't going after him. There's nothing they could do. It was a takedown hold, which you're taught. But there's a lot of... There's a, there's, when you there's say nothing like, wrong with that. When you say... That when, well, I, I, I can't agree with that. But you say when the cops... Uh, when you talk about indictment... Um, and you're saying a lot of cops weren't indicted. That's right. The DAs would like to indict a cop. Why? That's a feather in their cap because they don't get cops. If they did something wrong, they'd be indicted. But if they're in fear of their lives and they have to take an action, that's justified. Mm. Mm. You know, um, so so do you believe like that there is a blue line when they talk about police officers? Detectives or whatever. You know that, what that blue line represents? What? That's the line between chaos and anarchy. And we uphold the blue line. Mm. But don't you think that, you know... It's not a blue wall of silence. But you, but you don't think that, like, and I'm sure you had partners, you don't think that there's... I mean, I grew up in Brooklyn. I've seen tons of crooked cops. You know, you don't think that another cop telling someone, like, yo, that wasn't right what you're doing, or, 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 or to stick up for, you know, the, the, the people... You know, like that the cops aren't doing so the cops who aren't doing that. You don't think that that I told you if you feel a cop isn't doing something right, there's other avenues, but you can't resist arrest. Have you ever had a, a partner or seen a cop that has been crooked? That took drug money. When I was a, that done, when I was th- a rookie, done things wrong. There was an incident. It's in my book. And you'll read about it. Mm-hmm. And he got arrested while I was with him. And did other cops open their mountain by go? That's not right what you did, or you know? Yeah, they did. But it wasn't right what he did. That's you, why he got arrested. But I think, but you don't see that enough. Anymore. I never seen it. Yeah. That I saw it once when I was a rookie. But I worked in. You ever hear like birds of a feather flock together? Mm. I worked with guys that work like me. We were after bad guys. We dealt with violent criminals, and we were out there to make a difference and lock up bad guys. Mm. And that's what we did, and we protected the public. Mm. And so, and, and well, who do you think holds the line? It's the cops, the first line of defense. I just feel like the system. You know, I mean, like I said, I don't want to go uh, back and forth. I definitely want to get go through your career, but you know, I just feel like the well, system. My career was taking bad guys off the street, mm. and if they are resisted arrest, they were being placed under arrest any means necessary. Mm. You know, it was their choice. If they got shot or died from it or got put in the hospital, it was their choice. If I tell you you're under arrest, you're under arrest. You could go the easy way or the hard way. And I worked with cops who worked the same way and weren't corrupt and were making a difference. So you don't think that um, 
to any cops out there that 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 are too uh, aggressive, too I overpowering. Was I was very aggressive and overpowering to bad guys. Yeah. But I, are you able you know to what? Tell- These are guys that are yeah. 20 years old with muscles yeah. and would beat up an 80-year-old woman. Beat up your grandmother. Take her money. Hurt her. And you got cops that are putting their lives on the line to stop that. Yeah. And I'd be aggressive with them. Sure I would be. If they could bully an 80-year-old woman, I'll bully them. Yeah. No, I mean, that I get and I understand, but I just feel well, like- Well, who's going to do that? I mean- <laughs> Who's going to do that? It, 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 listen- cops do that. Yeah, I mean, there's neighborhood people who do that, you know? I mean, yeah, not the same. Yeah, but here's the last point I'll make about this, and then we'll move on to something different. Um, when I lived in a, a townhouse in Jersey, when I just moved out there, before I moved out, there was a cop, and it's, a, like I said, a nice area. There's a cop that used to stroll through that townhouse area, you know? I guess, you know, just doing rounds, you know? And in, in, in that area in Jersey, a lot of areas in South Jersey, is like not a lot to do. You know what I mean? I'm sure, you know, they, they're not as busy as, say, a New York cop, you know? But every time he would drive through, he would just stare at me or stare at anybody. And I'd be, I, I may be walking out my house. Maybe and, you're a little paranoid. No, no, I'm being honest. He would just stare at me. See, 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 this is why I want you to think. I want to change your thinking for a second. Just for this day. Just for this moment. I want to change your thinking to understand the people. I understand people. No, hold on. Hold on. I want to explain. Because I didn't let that cop get away with that shit. He would stare at me all the time. And I would wave. Jersey, they're they're big at waving. When I just moved out there, I told my father, what the fuck are people waving at me for? He said, Pete, they're nice out here. They wave to you. Not miserable like us at home back in New York. Cop would pass by, pass by, pass by. This is week in, week out. I'm He's a, doing his job. He's patrolling. I'm, I understand, but I would wave, or he would look at me with his face, like uh, it was maybe fucking he didn't like your wave. I maybe didn't. He I, you, I, uh, I didn't. You know, instead, instead of you thinking an excuse, hear me out. So fucking finally, one day, because mind you, I didn't wave to him every time. In the beginning, I was just like, "Why is this guy looking at me like that?" I'm just coming out of my house. I'm opening my garage. I'm in my car. I'm. You, you understand? I, I know Maybe you say- thought you were really good looking. He wanted to probably, probably did. But there the point go. I'm trying to make is when I finally spoke to him, I said, officer, you drive by every day. You give me a dirty look. Do you know- Number, number hear me out. You're patrolling this community that I'm a homeowner in. You're patrolling this community that I pay taxes in. I didn't do nothing wrong. He said, I never said you did. I said, yeah, but what takes a wave? What takes a hello? You know, it, 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 just, it, just, it just, I just I feel like there's so many cops now that just don't know how to just be regular, like, people. Turn it off. Maybe you just take it that way. Mm. You know what I mean? You thinking that he's looking at you in a harsh way or something, that's a perception. I mean, I looked you at know, him. You, yeah. you're, you're, that's what you perceive. Maybe that's his look. Maybe that's the way he looks all the time. Maybe he looks at his kids like that. You know what I mean? You're, it's a perceived perception. Yeah. Well, so, I want to get. Know, I want to get back to the point I was making when I when I grew that up. That cop was out there patrolling your around your property. It's a fucking. They, they, that is a, such a quiet area. Maybe a dog took a shit. That's the only thing that he's got to be bothered with. There's nothing going on out there. No burglary ever. I'm, I don't want to say that. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, who knows? The guy's out there. No, but what I'm that's saying. That's what he's paid to do. You know, back in the day, one thing you I really, you like You don't like the way he looks. No, but what it, say, know, people wave. 
be a homeowner's wave to them. Hey, how's everything going? How you doing? Oh, good. You know, like you know, get to know the fucking people in your community. You know, when well, you like, said, like I say, yeah. you perceived it that way. You perceived it that way. I mean, I'll tell you one thing. Then that guy stuck with one ugly fucking face because he looked at me like... There's all people with ugly faces. We can't all be good looking like you yeah. and me. I told him he's marvelous. He's a beautiful guy, you know? <laughs> um, you know it's, 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 it's definitely... Uh, it's, it's, I, you know what? Let, let's take a quick break. Let's take a quick break because uh, I got to regroup here. We'll take a quick break. We're sitting here with uh, Ralph Friedman, a uh, retired detective... How many years on the force? Fourteen. Fourteen years. We're gonna get back into some things. We're gonna we're gonna try to find the pace of his journey and where he's at now and what he's doing. Internet, we'll be right back. Cheer. Hi, this is Misa Hilton, and you're listening to the Premium Pete Show. Internet, we already told you that this episode is sponsored by the good folks at Bevel. Okay, it's Christmas time. It's holiday season. You know what that means? You bring somebody, or you get somebody, or you ship somebody a gift. No better gift to get somebody than bevel okay i already told you bevel that bevel blade is a major key nas already said that also but look listen you want to get somebody you love a bevel product and you want to save some money and get some free shipping head on over to getbevel.com forward slash pete if you mess with the show you mess with me take advantage of this getbevel.com forward slash pete the best grooming products in the game that's bevel one more time getbevel.com forward slash pete Log on now. What are you waiting for? Now let's get back to the show. Cheer. Internet and we're back. Sitting here with Ralph Friedman, the most decorated detective in New York City. Is that the slogan? Which one's the best one? <laughs> New York's most decorated cop or New York's toughest cop? Now, who named you that? You named yourself that? Or, no. Or the medals named- uh, speak for themselves, the numbers. And the uh, New York's toughest cop was uh, was back in 1978, the Daily News uh, uh Sort of pinned that on me. Why do they say that? Why do they say you're the most toughest cop? Well, at the time, uh, a lot of prisoners resisted arrest and they got hospitalized. Mm, mm. And I already had a few shootings under my belt. And, uh, you know, I had a reputation on the street for not taking any shit. Mm. So so if somebody uh, was getting arrested and they resisted or anything like that, the uh, necessary force was used. Mm. And what about you? Didn't you get hurt yourself? I got hurt. I How many times was your nose broken? No, my nose was only broken once. Okay. <laughs> no, but I broke like a, I'd say in the course of my career, I broke over 50 bones. Really? How? Yeah. How'd that happen? Uh, mostly most- fi- oh, fights. Mm. And then the last one, I broke 23 bones, was a, a car accident that ended my career. I had my hip shattered in 100 pieces. I broke all my ribs front and back. Broke my pelvic left, right, upper and lower. Fuck. You know, and then How the rest did that were, happen? I broke my, that was a car accident, responding to an officer needed help, and I was racing over there, and I got T-boned by a police car. So After all cop, my huh? encounters with uh, bad guys, I got hurt by the police. Mm. And that ended my, all the bad guys couldn't take my career, you know, couldn't end my career, but the police did by accident. Mm. And, and that, the other bones before that were all fights. Did that guy feel terrible? Oh, yeah. He was a rookie yet. Mm. And uh, yeah, he felt terrible. Okay, I hope you didn't kill him. Is he still no, around? We got to find around. a PBA on that guy. <laughs> you know, we got to find. Now, let me ask you something. You, we'll bounce around. You, you have a book out. What's the name of the book? The book is Street Warrior. Street. How, how does how does that happen? Like, did that come to you, or you like how does that even happen? Because 
the 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 police um what do you call it system or what do you call the police uh, when you think of like as a whole you say the police, uh, uh, police system organization organization is kind of like you know we don't talk about this shit you know what I mean like I feel like most cops how does that a book happen and you also have a a, a documentary out right or uh, a TV series TV series yeah docu series let's start with the book how does that even happen well I always had a lot of stories that I tell people. And stuff, you know. Everybody asks you stories when you're a cop or retired. All right, cop. so let's stop there. Tell me a story. <laughs> what kind of story do you want to hear? Man, you said people always want to hear a story. I want well, to hear most great... of the time they want to hear an action story, okay. a shooting. I would love to hear an action story. Okay. Uh, well, I told, just told you one prior to the break. Okay, we get another one. I'll tell you another one. Uh, uh, me and my partner were patrolling. We were undercover in the uh, yellow taxi cab. I was the driver. He was the passenger. And we saw a bunch of kids uh, going over, like sort of begging for money or asking people for money. So we figured, you know, it was like about seven to ten of them. You know, we figured sooner or later they were going to rob somebody. Because, they, you know, get ten guys going around somebody asking for money. At some point it's going to become intimidation or they're just going to take the money. So we were following them at a certain distance, keeping them under observation. And then they approached a few people. And then they approached another guy, and all of a sudden the guy pulls out a gun and shoots the kid in the chest right in front of us. Mm. So I stomp on the gas, we pull right up to him, and we jump out of the car, and he starts firing at us. And we're like about 10 feet away. And uh, we start, I start chasing him up the street. My partner had the radio. He calls for an ambulance for the kid. It was a 15-year-old kid shot at point-blank range in the chest. And now he's exchanging shots with me while I'm running up the street. And you're in uniform? Or no, I was in pl- we were in plain clothes, undercover in a taxi. But did you... Now, what's the... What's the I don't want to uh, defer your story, but what's the laws? Like, do you have to say uh, police? You know what I mean? Do you have to address yourself? Well, you would yourself? do that by instinct. Mm. You know, first of all, you got a guy who's in the middle of shooting a kid, and you jump out of the car, and he starts shooting at you. Mm. So as I'm chasing him, you know, he's turning around and his arms extended. If I would have shot him then, I would have shot him in the back, you know, and there'd be a big stink about it. But he's, you could shoot someone in the back and they're shooting at you. Mm. He's running with his back to me. So you're not allowed to shoot in the back? Well, no, I was going to shoot him. I tried to shoot him then, of course. You know, he's firing at me. Mm. And then he stops and he crouches down and... He still shoots at me, but my partner ran to the other side of the street. So we sort of flank. He tried to outflank him. So if he tried to cut across the street, my partner would be there. At this time, my partner didn't fire yet. And he had my partner pinned behind the car. And he started alternating his shots. Now, this was a revolver. And during this, he stopped and reloaded. Mm. And when he stopped and crouched and reloaded... I ducked behind the staircase so he could only see. It was like a tenement building where the steps go up like five or six steps. And then you have a couple of steps that go down to like a sort of like a below ground apartment. So I was crouched behind there. And now I ran out of bullets, you know. So I took out a second gun. And I'm lining up my shots. He could only see me from my eyes up. And I'm leaning my gun on the stoop. And I'm lining up the shots, and I'm still no effect. You know, he's still pegging one shot at me, one at my partner. 
And now, so, suddenly, my partner pops up and fires one round. I'm already into like nine, ten rounds already. Can two guns. This one guy? He's reloading. He reloaded twice. Right? And my partner sh- pops up and shoots one round and catches him in the shoulder because mm. he grabs his shoulder and falls down. At that point, I run up to the guy. And I know I got one or two bullets left. You know, you always never, you're taught never to release your last bullet unless you, you really have no, you know, you can't be unarmed, you know. So I run up to him. The guy's laying on the ground. And he raises his hand to shoot at me. And I'm standing right over him. And I put one in his head and kill mm. him right there. Mm. But it wound up after we did, did an autopsy and stuff, I hit him like seven times. The bullets had no effect on him. He was high on drugs yeah, and alcohol. I was going to say that, yeah. And plus our bullets weren't as strong back then. You know, we're using 38s. And it was winter and he had a jacket on. And, you know, you know the bullets, I shot him a few times, a good grip, a grouping in the center mass, chest and stomach. He didn't go down. Was that your most nervous moment on the job, or do you have one? Well, I never was really nervous in a gun battle because they usually happen very fast, and you rely on reflex and uh, training, you know? Nervous is when you're uh, doing something in slow motion, you know? But, uh, you know, you overcome your nerves, and you do what you have to do. I took my job seriously, and I always felt I was prepared for it. And, you know, there were fights that I lost and stuff. I mean, I've had my ass kicked a lot of times, you know, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And then arrest? uh, Oh, yeah. And they got away? No, they didn't get away. Nobody ever got away? Uh, I wouldn't say nobody, but, uh, you know, I I had a shootout where a guy got away. Mm. You know, I shot him, but he got away. Mm. Now, you have to answer to, as a detective, you had to answer to what, a sergeant? Yeah, there's a detective sergeant. How how hard was that to explain things? You have to answer to any boss. Okay. Sergeant, lieutenant, captain. Mm. You know, even if they weren't in the uh, detective bureau, you know, protocol said you reported to your sergeants. But if a uniform sergeant asked you something or a lieutenant, you, they're still your boss, you know. You know, protocol would have you go up the detective line. But the other boss is a sergeant, is a sergeant. You know, he still outranks you. Yeah. And... uh you would have to answer to him if he uh, questioned you or anything like that. Was it hard to, um, you know, sometimes like, you know, did they always listen to your story or sometimes challenge you, you know, like? Well, I've yeah, I've been challenged. You know, a boss is a boss. They have their job to do. And, you know, um, I still had to report to them and I had to tell them, you know, not everybody agrees with you every all the time. Yeah. What's the most trouble you ever got into for, like, say, not following protocol? Or have you ever been in... Yeah, I've been in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One time... Well, this was a very, very big case. I was working undercover by myself. And I was only reporting to a captain. My immediate captain. And uh, at one point, it got so close to the arrest. And it was was probably the biggest case in New York at the time. Mm. And it's still a case that wasn't solved today. But it was the Francis Tavern... The Francis Tavern bombing. Okay, you told me that. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's the one that you regret. That's exactly. Yeah. That was a case that, uh, you know, I had to answer to other bosses and they didn't like the the way things went down. And uh, I felt technically I was sort of like under arrest. You know, they had me in the precinct, wouldn't let me do anything. I was being held. 
And my captain came down and vouched for the whole operation and everything. And, you know, that was it. But that was, a, you know, I butted heads with somebody there. There was another time I butted heads with uh, some bosses. Uh, I rammed into a, a drug dealer. Mm. It was the only way I could stop him, by crashing my car into his. And they wanted me to fill out an accident report. And I said, I didn't have an accident. I said, yeah, but your car hit his car. I said, yeah, but it wasn't an accident. I did it on purpose. Mm. I had a purpose. I didn't have an accident. So, you know, I finally got to the point where a boss came and ordered me to do it. But I filled out the report and crossed out accident and wrote purpose on it. <laughs> so, I, you, you know, it's, it's you know, kind of, I was hard-headed, just yeah, like I argued yeah. with you. I argued with a boss yeah, if yeah. I felt I was right. Yeah. Hey, you know? listen, when have you ever admitted that you were wrong? Yeah, some way I must have been to that. Yeah. I don't know when, but I, I can't recall it. Yeah. You know, so let's get back to uh, the book. So so how it came about, you, you, you were saying? Well, actually, the book came about, um, I always wanted to write a book. I had my material and stories. And, you know, uh, I didn't find the right person, you know, it was, or it wasn't the right time. But, you know, now was the right time. And I got connected to a writer through Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I never Social met the writer. Media. Yeah, I still haven't met him. Mm. We did the book. We did the probably we were very good friends. We talk every How day. How did you do the transaction? Just through the phone and through emails. Yeah, and- we did the whole book through emails and telephone. We spoke numerous times a day, and then we would email stuff and go over it. You know, and uh, it took about a two-year process with contracts and editing and actual writing. Took probably six solid months. Mm. But then you have editing and promotion and all, and then the book came out, and you have to decide on, you know, the cover and colors and what's going to be done and pictures that were going to go in. But how did you even know how to do any of this shit? Well, I collaborated on it mostly, and the writer, he had a few books out already. So he had experience. You know, so he had a lot of experience. He had like six books out already, and he was a very good writer, and he recommended two of his books, which I read, we were outstanding, and I hope my book was going to be... One, a quarter of a percent of that. Were you ever worried about putting out a book where it was like kind of like, you know, you were opening up or telling stories or, you know, trying to... No, I don't worry about that. Yeah, you weren't? You know, I, I tell the truth and I tell my stories and I have my my feelings and I have my defenses and, you know, I'm not, no problem with it at all. Do you still have a lot of, uh, uh, mostly all your friends' offices or, you know... No, I have all kinds of friends. Mm. What know? about the friends that are offices? Are still... Well, I'm still friends with them too, Yeah, you know? And I make new friends at our offices and stuff. I'm out there all the time, and I see people and yeah. stuff. And I, I do a lot of mingling. What do you think, go, going back for a second, what do you think, like, from every offer you speak you speak to, what do you think, you know, being that, you know, cops and, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's a very, um, I guess it's a very uh, strong, you know, time where it's like, you know, cops and people and cops and murders and cops and, you know, I mean, look at all these riots that have been have gone. You know, um, what 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 are the, what are some of the personal cops that you speak to? Like, what are their thoughts of all this stuff that's going on? Like how they're perceived now, and you know, well, how- obviously morale is low. They have no backing from the mayor, mm. and that filters into the higher echelon. Of the I mean, De Blasio. Yeah, De Blasio is terrible. Mm. Why you is know, that? Why do you say it's terrible? Well, he always had a disdain for police. It was uh, apparent the first minute he took office. He's been arrested before, you know, for protesting himself. Yeah. You know, and he you know, he just doesn't like police. And now he's in charge of them. Do you think a mayor who doesn't like police became a mayor? 
You really, but I mean, what's what? He has a disdain for police. No, I'm just saying. What, I don't. I don't know that. So, what makes you say that? Like, how? Well, he he lets that be known. That's by his actions. Yeah. You know, he caters to perpetrators. He doesn't uh, respond to police funerals. He goes late to them. You know, he, he it's so obvious. Mm-hmm. He has a disdain for police. The only, and they're returning the favor. The only thing I don't. What do you mean they're returning? The favor? Well, when they turn their backs on him. Mm. In that incident, you know, where he went to a hospital and they turned their backs on him. Yeah. What do you expect? He, you know, you know, you give respect and get respect. It's a two-way street. The only he thing, doesn't respect yeah, police. I don't know that about the Basio. The only thing I don't like is that well, he, I know it and yeah. all the police know it. I, 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 the only thing I don't like about him is that he ate uh, pizza with a fork and knife. And I feel like that's <laughs> he sacrilegious. He did that in Brooklyn, too. Yeah. So, I, you know, that, 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 that that's what I do know about him. But... But you're saying, like, you know, as in, in a time, like, what can be done if you think about it? If you were back on the force, obviously you would do what you're doing. But what could be done to – and I do I do want you to understand my point, too. And I understand what you're saying where you're like, hey, you know, they don't – cops go out and they don't know what the fuck is happening or going on, you know, with a situation. So they address it that way. But I do believe that we could get to a point where – um Cops can patrol the community, get to know the community. Well, my opinion on this is that, you know, they're not out there to be a friend. I know, but what? But they're out there to protect your ass, not kiss it. That's my opinion. They got a job to do, Mm. and they do it. And the people should be thankful that there's men and women, and even in this day and age, that are willing to do that when they got no backing and no respect. And they still go out there and do it every day. Yeah, but you say backing, that's from New York. Listen. When I was a police officer, it was a different time. Mm. It was before cell phones, before What's beepers. What's different then to now? Well, the technology alone, the, the communications, the beepers, the cell phones, the video. Uh, I was policing before you were born. Mm. Mm. You know? when we, What year were you born? 75. I Old got promoted to detective then. I was mm. out there policing, putting my life on the line. It was a different era. You know, there was pro-policing. They wanted you to go out and stop people and follow up stuff and have a gut feeling. Today, you do what I did, and they consider it you're violating people's rights. If you were a cop today, do you think you'd be suspended? I'd probably be arrested in five minutes. Why? Because it's a different tactics and stuff today. It doesn't fly what I did now. Mm. It's a different era. It's not only a different era. It's two eras. It's a, it's a couple of generations behind. I wouldn't last today. Yeah. You know, not because... I didn't do anything wrong then. I was doing what the times demanded yeah. and what the job called for. Today, it's a different world. Do you ever? It's a uh, different world. It's like saying, you know, how would a dinosaur do today? Mm, not mm. good. You'd be on Facebook. Let me ask him. Do you? <laughs> I'm on Facebook too. Well, I don't mean, I'm not calling you a dinosaur. Do you, I am a dinosaur. Do you? Do you? Um, do you think that? That's what they call old cops. They had their old really. Rings. Yeah, dinosaur. In the department, I'm considered a dinosaur. Do you feel like law enforcement's like in your blood? Like, do you like? Of course it is. Do, do, no, what, what I mean is like, do you ever look at your neighbors like something suspicious is going on? Like, if you, they're doing something suspicious, yeah. But automatically, just 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 think that. You know what I mean? Cops have a defense mechanism, and that's you look at everybody a little suspicious. It's yeah. just in your nature. Yeah. You know why? Because you deal with so many people, and you see the people are fuck ups. What about stop and frisk? You know, the best tool that police can what? have. Absolutely. But even tool. that they were doing it in How neighborhoods. How do you think if you, if, in bad neighborhoods, where the bad guys are? Where are you going to go? To? Look in the good neighborhood for the bad guy? Yeah, but it doesn't the mean bad neighborhoods bad. produce the bad guys. Stop and frisk is the, the strongest and best tool that police could have. Explain why. 
because the bad guys feel that if a, guy, a cop is going to stop them and search them, they're not going to carry a gun. If you don't stop and search them, it entitles them to carry a gun. And what do you think is going to happen if a bad guy carries a gun? He's going to shoot somebody. He's going to rob somebody. Mm. So now if people are scared to carry guns, it cuts the robberies, the stabbings, the shootings, everything. If you got bad guys that are going to carry weapons, what are they going to do with these weapons? They're going to use them against you. Do you, I mean, me, this, yeah. it's common sense. I mean, I, I it's just, a tool that has to be employed to catch people with wet, bad guys with bad weapons. I know. I just, I just feel like um, there was a lot of regular people and good people that didn't need to be subject to that. If you're not breaking the law, what are you subject to? Thirty seconds, twenty seconds stop. But it's you know, but, and you should be thankful that they're checking. It's just like when you get pulled over with a car. Do you know how many car thefts there used to be? Who do you think? Stop the car thefts. Police checking on cars and, and catching the bad guys stealing cars. Who's going to do this work? If you're home in your bed sleeping, now you work, right? You work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You earn money, you save it up, and you buy the car you like. And you're in your bed sleeping, and someone steals the car. You don't want the cop on patrol to stop a car and find out that he got your car back? You'd be loving that cop if he got your nice car back for you. Well, there was a couple of times I wished that someone would steal my car, and uh, so I could get a new one for my insurance. To be honest with you, I, you know, but uh, you know, um, even with the docu series that you have with um, who's I it have with? a series with Discovery, Discovery Channel. Now, how Fun. the fuck does that even happen? Well, my name got out there in the industry, you know, with the book and stuff, and you start getting publicity and articles, and uh, production companies start to see that and take notice. And they see the story because they read it in a paper and they say, uh, man, this might make a great docuseries. And then they come and interview you and they find that uh, you got great stories and you talk well and you're willing to tell the stories. Sure. And uh, next thing you know, you got a series. How long did I take you to decide if you wanted to do that? Did you think about uh, it, sleep on it? Or? About 10 seconds. Really? Sure. Who wouldn't want to have their own series? <laughs> Who don't want to be rich and famous? You know, uh, I didn't have to think long. What TV show um, accurately depicts um, cops most closely? What would you say? Well, Blue Bloods is pretty good. Really? It's a, l- a little corny and a little slow. In but, what sense, when you say? Well, you know, with the family stuff. They show a lot of family stuff. But it really depicts how the officers uh, handle jobs, what goes through their minds. It's a pretty good show, you know? Mm. Overall, you know? And it sort of shows the. Uh, the mindset of uh, cops and bosses and the police commissioner. I think they do a pretty good job. Yeah. You spoke about being from one side of the Bronx and then uh, becoming a cop and patrolling another side of the Bronx. Do you feel that uh, cops should not patrol in their neighborhood or or they should be in their neighborhood? Uh, You're probably better off not in your neighborhood, but really... You know, if you're going to do the job right, you could be in any neighborhood, you know. But I, I think when you start off, uh, to me, to starting off to being a cop, you should be in a busy precinct because then you learn the job very good, you know. You, if you work in a busy house, you can work in any house. Yeah. You know, what I saw in the South Bronx in the 41st Precinct, what I see in, uh, one, in, in one year, it would take like 10, 15, maybe 20 years to see in another precinct. Mm. You know, you see stuff... You know, you see the underbelly of the city, you know. You feel, you feel police today need more training? 
No, I think the police department trains the police very good. Even better than how they trained you? Yeah, there's better technology. They have shooting at the range. They have, uh, you know, like uh, computer training and scenarios where uh, much different, much different, much better training today. Training is very good. Mm. That's But they don't let the police do the job. I think the police want to do the job. I think they're trained to do the job. But they're being held back by politicians, police bosses, because it filters down from City Hall. And with the cell phones, everybody's thinking about, I'm on camera, you know, and they're going to hesitate. Mm-hmm. And I think that gets police officers hurt and could get them killed. You know, do you think cops um, ever, like, feel like, um, because of the situations where they're portrayed, you know, as like, people are yelling at them or cursing at them or riots are being caused because, you know, um, there's injustice going on or, 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 you know, maybe not to them. But the point I make is you ever think, you ever think that cops feel like, man, I'm out here uh, trying to do my job and they're trying to say I'm doing this. Fuck them. Do you ever think that people get angry and, 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 and mad where it's like... Well, well, that's... You're talking about the police. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's I, why it, mor- morale yeah. is low. Yeah. You know, they, but they still do their jobs. Listen, the biggest proof of what police do was on 9-11. Mm. When 9-11 occurred, what did you see? You saw hundreds of thousands of people running in one direction. But you saw cops, firemen, and first responders running in the other direction towards the trouble. Everybody was thanking police, flying flags, mm. cooking for them, bringing food yeah. in. I no, mean, 9-11, 9-11 was definitely, uh, you know. Well, just, didn't it show what there, police do? But there was also a lot All of, kinds of cops. No, I know. Running in that direction. No, I, I remember nine eleven, but there was also a lot of people who came together. There's a lot, and I. That's and right. I, Heroes yeah. were created that day. And, and but you yeah. saw police and firemen and first responders going in that direction. But you saw hundreds of thousands going the other way. Yeah. That's when a cop earns his whole pay for the year. Anytime there's a shooting on the street, everybody runs away. Cop runs in the direction of the shots fired. Have you ever, um, ever arrested someone that you truly believe was innocent, but you still had to do your job? Yeah. I talk, there's a big case in, the, in my book about that. Mm. You know, I, I had to make an arrest, but I wouldn't say he was innocent. I mean, he committed the act, but he was justified. Mm. You know, we were looking for a guy. Uh, actually, another detective had the case, and he was looking for a murderer. We had a guy stabbed on the street. And... Uh, the other detective was working on the case, but I was called in to, uh, you know, work on the case also uh, because I had a street presence, and they wanted me to talk to people on the street. What did they call you? Just Officer Friedman, or did, did they ever have any street name? Or no, Detective Friedman. Yeah. And uh, well, who do you mean? The bad no, when guys you, say you have a guys? street presence. Yeah, I mean, I, you, like. What were you known as? Like, oh shit, that's Friedman. He's coming, yeah, you know? Exactly. Friedman, oh, really. Friedman. Yeah. Um, well, you weren't freeing them. You, you, you. I have guys, guys were telling me, because I've talked to guys now, now that it's being publicized. So guys were calling me after I got hurt, you know, even to this day. And they said, after I got hurt, they, they were still asking, has Friedman working? Has Friedman working? Mm-hmm. Guys would come up to cops and ask them, you know, because they wouldn't want to fuck up if I was working, because mm. they weren't going to get no play. Yeah. You know, but getting back to this case, I was called in on this homicide and I was questioning people on the street and I, I followed up, <clears throat> followed up on stuff and I found out who did the murder. Mm. And, you know, we went to his house, you know, we, we got to the building, located the guy 
It took a little while, but uh, the guy was justified in killing the guy. Mm. You know, the guy came home, you know, he works every day, came home and found this guy broken to his house and raping his wife. So he had a fight with the guy and the guy cut him a little, but the guy got away and then he chased him. And when he caught up to him, the guy was, they fought over the knife and the guy stabbed him and the guy died. Mm. You know, so he actually, he was trying to catch the guy and hold him for the police. And the guy raped his wife, brutally raped his wife. So I had to place him under arrest, you know, so he, but he had to go before the grand jury, testify, and the guy got off. Mm. He was an innocent, hardworking man. You come home and find someone raping sure, your wife sure. or daughter, what do you do? Sure. You know, that that, that, that makes a fucking great point, you know. Um, I you don't know, know, but I treated that guy with the utmost respect. That's what I was going to ask you. Of course. I was in his corner. Yeah. I just had to bring him through the You didn't procedure. put the cuffs on too tight, right? You didn't even put cuffs on him. Really? I didn't put cuffs on him. What, that, was was a, that was a judgment no call? Yeah, hey, that's my judgment call. And I think that would be 99% of any cop's call. He was no threat. The guy's crying. He did what had to be done. You know, you know, someone else died because, some scumbag died because of that. Absolutely no loss to society. And that guy walked out free, and he deserved to. You know, that, that, that's a great segue to what I want to ask you. You know, you you think about it, right? There's a recent um, situation, I think, that somebody was trying to kill. Like, okay, so his son was with his mother, and I think the boyfriend was beating on her or something like that. And the son picked up something, I think, and stabbed him. That was just recently. Yeah. Yeah, that kid was he, justified. He's, he's being charged Sometimes, for manslaughter. You have to be charged with something. No, I know. But when you get to the grand jury, you'll be cleared. You know, when you, when you get arrested, it doesn't mean you're guilty. You're being arrested. Now it goes to a court, and they decide. But you have to explain your actions. When you take certain serious actions, they got to be explained. I always had to account for what I did, but I was justified. But I have to explain it. It has to be proven. There's scientific evidence, there's forensic evidence, there's testimony, and you got to prove and you know you take an action, but you got to justify it. You know, I always say that um, the judicial system—is that how you say judicial? Am I yeah. saying right? You're saying it right. I'm, I'm a bad pronouncer sometimes. Even the police organization, and, and and I just feel like there's a lot of things like that are ancient, meaning they haven't evolved. Even like the Catholic Church, I feel like they haven't evolved. I always speak about this, meaning like they should let the- Well, times change, of course. Every decade is different, you know. Do you yeah. feel the police organization is Well, the police, have made, they evolve. Of course, they have better training, better techniques. But you what know, about they the try laws? To blend what the laws, yeah, like laws, like meaning like well, certain laws, certain laws. So they just the, look. The Blasio just changed some laws, and the city council, a thousand percent, I don't agree with them. They say pissing in the street is okay. Do you know what that just did? That gave every pedophile, every pervert, to right to go over to your kid's school, and show them that you know they're junk. Mm-hmm. And then the guy just says, "My defense is I'm pissing." You want some guy pervert showing your five year old daughter is. Is junk, but yeah. now he's free to do it. I was pissing. I thought that if you pissing. pee, if you get caught pee, you you considered a pedophile. I thought, isn't that something no, like no, I heard no. of? You get caught pissing now, it's nothing. 
They want to give you a... Really? It's nothing. Fuck, I'm going to piss in the street, you know. Well, no, I'm no, what I'm saying that. is you're giving a license. I pissed in the street. You never pissed in the street before? Right out in the street? No. Or alleyway? I ducked into so an alleyway. Yeah, of course. I had to wear it out. But not know? in front of the public. You're drinking that Macallan. You never, you know? Not in the uh, public. Yeah. Pissing in public, urinating in public, they're saying it's okay. Yeah. You think that's okay? No, no, no. I mean, I wouldn't say to, to do stuff that but you're saying. But they're doing it... The but why is, this is lowering, why is this happening? Because he's lowering numbers of crime by legalizing or decriminalizing it. Mm. So if you you want to cut robberies, you don't want robbery numbers, make it legal. Right? I mean, that's not how you do it. You say you tr- enforce laws. Okay. We have good laws, but they got to be enforced by the police, which they are, and then they got to be backed by the courts. What? How, do, how come you lock up a guy for shooting a guy mm. or committing a murder, and you see the guy's been in jail or locked up 30 times? Yeah. How do, how do you locked up 30 times? You, you know what they need? They need accountability. The judge has got to be accountable. But they also need to turn it around. And what I mean by that is, like, even somebody like me, you know, many years ago, um, you know, being a, 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 not making the right decisions. I, I've been arrested. I, I went away. I had a felony. I was trying to hustle. I knew that. You no, know, I'm saying I was trying to hustle. And now I know that. Well, would you fucking look me up? We've been doing. No, no. no. Uh, I knew you had problems with the police. No, yeah, but that's not. I can tell that. That's not why I asked any of that. Yes, I, it is. Uh, no, no, no. Yes, it's because it of the climate that we had going on. I wanted your opinion. There's things I don't agree with you though, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, of it's course not. not. It's, it's not we can't all be clones. I understand that. The point I'm making is, but I knew that you had a police problem earlier. I didn't. Have, I don't. I don't want to say I had a police problem. Look, I went well, away. You wound for, up in jail. You had a problem. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't make them. I, at one point in time in my life, I mean, well, probably more than that, but but just different <laughs> things. I mean, I was I was I've been divorced, so that was a wrong mistake I made. Um, I made mistakes. Probably worse than the crime. Yeah, I, I made mistakes, and I. But the point I'm making is when you say like they have these laws, they also need to like when you say you know if you if you've been arrested this many times, look. Okay, what the fuck are you doing? But, but also, that's the judges for. It should be the other side around too. Like I give you an example for a while. I mean, I'm home a long time now. I only I did like three years. But the point I'm trying to make is productive member of society. I've I've went back to jails and spoke thousands of times. You know, uh, okay, different you paid your debt. I'm saying, why don't and and I spoke to I'm friends with a couple of lawyers and and why don't they expunge likes, these listen, felonies like and, nobody yeah. likes the cop who locks them up. Nobody no, no. wants a ticket. No one wants their freedom taken. No, away. but don't shouldn't you free some things up? Meaning, like, look, you're clear. If you do ten years, you never go back to jail. You don't have a nonviolent felony. Sometimes they stick these felonies forever. I know a kid. Forget about me for a second. I know a kid that I couldn't get a job because he had to fucking get caught with like a fucking two dime bags of weed. Nah, I don't believe that. Who's gonna? Well, that's the employee doesn't want to give him a job because well, he, he had a record. He had a record. They figured. But the well, point, they figured it's not the police. That's the job. No, but what I'm saying is, even even me for a while, it was hard to get a job when I Listen, came home. I obeyed every law. I didn't get locked up. All the cops I know didn't get locked up. Yeah. So everybody shouldn't get locked up. Obey the laws. We live no, in a society I, okay. where you can't have it running amok. No, I understand what you're saying. You but know, people make mistakes. I know, but when, I feel they, like when some, they make mistakes. They don't like the police because no, they made a mistake. I, I have, it's not about not liking the police. I'm saying, why not create a, a law where they expunge stuff? Or, they do expunge stuff. You yeah, can't but get you got to go through and, a lot of that stuff. You, well, you got to go through things. I'm saying they should you get- You got to go through things to break the law, too. You don't think they should have like a, a, a fucking merit program? Or like, look, if, you, if you're a productive member of society, you're paying taxes, you never went back to jail, we're going to fucking- you, you, We're going to get this off you. Because people- You know what? You know what I realized in, 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 in 
in the law system, I learned judges and, you know, I've seen a bunch. I'm friends with lawyers, etc. They don't understand it till it happens to somebody in their family. Meaning like, you know, maybe maybe somebody had a drug problem. You know, I remember, you know, it's funny too. But that's a problem. They created a problem. Have you ever, like, I don't take drugs. I never took drugs. I don't stay. Nobody in your family drugs. was ever hooked on drugs? No. Mm. No. Not that I know. Nobody in your family. But I don't deal with people. I don't even deal with my family that much. <laughs> but I'm saying. <laughs> why, why is that? I'm into myself or the girl I'm with, you know, yeah. my wife, you know. I don't. I'm Any not kids? Gonna, if you, no kids. And you never I was into police to. work. Yeah, you, you know, know, I enforced the law. You know, that's that, that, that's. So one I'm not going to go out and break the law. Here's one of the biggest questions I have for you. Give how, me a big question. How the fuck do you, you still care? Answer. What's that? You still care so much. Like what is like? Like I, I say, but, it ain't a job; it's a calling. No, I know, but you say okay. If you no, say I care, no, I know, but you somebody you, has you, to care. I I see it. You really care about. The, the the police the police organization the the the, the rules and laws of a cop like I you bleed, really you I bleed blue oh yes but the point I'm trying to make is you're retired you're not you're not you're not in the force anymore and I'm sure there's some politics I wasn't that you don't like. my oath mm. you know and I I took it seriously hey listen I there's still Italians, miss it every day and I'm it, out 34 years there's Italians who pricked their finger and got made and and they just swore their oath you know. They, they they became, you they're know... They're breaking the law. Yeah, that's true. You know, they're breaking the law. Did you ever have any organized crime um, arrest that you yeah. had done? Yeah. How hard I was... locked up all types of people. Yeah. Now, I wasn't prejudiced. I locked up <laughs> no, all types No, I don't mean about prejudice. I'm talking about, you know, moving on, even moving on later on in life. When you arrested all these type of people, you ever, like, have to think that you look behind your shoulder or you worry about anything? You ever feel like that? I look behind my shoulder, but I'm not worried. No, because because Listen, of they all got the locked up by me, yeah. they've got to worry. Mm. You know, I had a reputation. I think you just don't know me. No, I don't mean like you know. That. I'm old now, yeah, yeah. but I can still rock and roll. But back then, hey, you listen, you didn't want to know. If me. I knew you back then, that would that would be a fucking bad thing. I wouldn't want to know. That's you. right. I rather I I I rather know you now. You read the stories, which are all documented. Mm. Check out the series. Check out the book. Read about me. There's, I'm all over the internet. When, when, I had a reputation. When 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 uh, when could people check out the um, the, the series is on uh, every Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. Plus, it's on Discovery Demand and mm -hmm. Discovery Go. How many? Uh, how many? I have episodes? six one hour episodes. Six okay. Six you, one hour episodes. Are they going to come back for a season two or something? Well, I'm sure hoping they are. Mm -hmm. You know, and the book is doing very well. You get that on Amazon. Have you did any book signings or anything like that? Yeah, okay. I, they went to. Uh, a police coin show, you know, the mem memorable, uh, commemorative coins, mm. which they've done one on me. And uh, I went there and I sold coins and books and I had a line for two and a half hours for my autograph. Mm. And I signed books that people bought there and people that bought over the internet also. You ever think there's any situations that are too dangerous for officers? All situations are dangerous, mm. you know? And the proof of that is when police get executed in their cars, just sitting there. You know, uh, you know you're know, doing a police action and you get involved in a shootout and get killed. You know, it's a terrible thing, but, you know, you're taking an action. But to show that people just want to execute you for just wearing a uniform, you see that police officers have been killed right sitting there. Yeah. The last one was a girl in the Bronx, Familio. And then before that, two years ago, was... Uh, 
uh, uh, Lou and uh, Ramos mm. were killed. Chinese guy and Spanish guy. Yeah. They were doing nothing. Mm. They weren't even taking a police action, except that they were in uniform. But they were hated that much for being blue. Do you, uh, did you ever have to go to therapy? Me? No, never. You don't believe in it? I don't believe in it. You know, it, it's somebody who has been through as much as, you know, you've been through. Like, you know, it's not normal what you've been through. I know you say you're a cop, and yes, you are, and yes, you were. But well, a lot of those situations... I didn't need therapy. I didn't, they didn't affect me killing somebody. It's terrible to take a life, but it had to be done. And it saved a life or two. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know what you're saying by that. But what I'm saying is, uh, these are situations that not a normal person goes through. Well, I'm not a normal person. I they don't write that. books. I and can tell that. stories tell. and TV shows on normal people. I stand. I, I, you know, stood apart from people. I guess. Do you think cops today need therapy? It's not. No. no? Never. No. Never. If you need therapy, you shouldn't be a cop. I Tony Soprano needed fucking therapy. Well, he was he was a criminal. To some eyes. And besides that, he wasn't even a criminal. He was an actor. Yeah, rest in peace. No, but you know, you know, when you read really, a good actor at that, but he was an actor. Is it because James you're from Gundam the old school that you don't believe in in therapy? Yeah, probably. Did you, did you go to the doctor a lot? You know when my last physical was? Twenty years ago. He's not even close. My last physical was either we were trying to figure it out. It was either 1968 or 1970. Why? When I got called on the police. Why? Because I don't need a doctor. I mean, I, oh, I went to doctors when I couldn't stop the bleeding or my bones are broke, but I don't go with the, I'm not looking for trouble. So, so if I got something wrong, I'd rather just die of it. I don't want to hear them. I'll be, if I, they tell me I'll mentally be sick, you know, they'll tell me you got cancer, then your mind fucks you up. Yeah. I don't want to know that shit. I feel good. I don't think, what do, I, do you bring your car to the mechanic when it's running good? No, so but, I don't go but, to the doctor when I'm but, running. But good. but but that's the problem. That's the problem where I feel like, and that's why I bring up. That's why I brought up the therapy question because I feel like so many people, especially in the culture that that I'm involved in, meaning well, the culture I was involved in, any kind of stuff like that, or having feelings, was a sign of weakness. Of course, it's still it's still it's still that way. And, well, and what know, I'm saying, it doesn't have to, to be, be that way. Well, maybe a cop. A cop has to be strong. You don't know the shit that they see and do. You know, they go into homes, go into a building. The stuff you see, you would never fucking believe. You would think it's a, a fifth world country, never mind a third world country. And you don't believe it's like going on in, in today's civilization. Mm. And they see this on a daily basis if you work in a ghetto precinct. Yeah. You know, you see horrible What do you consider things. ghetto? Uh... You know, low income, uh, drugs all over the place, crime, uh, dilapidated buildings, destroyed buildings. That's what I consider ghetto. Quota. Cops have to fill a quota. Is that true? Not true. Honestly. Quotas are against the law. Quotas are against the law for police. But how would you rate someone doing their job? So there is performance evaluations. And how, there's no way of judging a cop how many crimes he stopped from happening by patrolling in uniform. When you go, you go in, if you don't fill out a form saying, well, I stopped the murder today because I was standing in uniform on this corner. They only know what you produce, right? So they count the number of summonses you give out or the amount of arrests or the amount of felonies or misdemeanors. It's the only way to judge performance in a police profession. You know, you just can't, 
say, well, there was no crime today because I stood on the corner in uniform. You can't judge it that way. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. It makes sense. No, but quotas, they don't tell you, listen, you got to go out and lock someone up today or you're going to lose your job. But but, but it doesn't happen. You mentioned performance or, or, I mean, you mentioned performance, right? That's performance. So do they have performance goals? They have performance evaluations. So, you know, but... What does that if mean, like for someone who, you know... Well, like, you go out there, you know, you can't tell me that if people are reporting crimes, right? People, they know how many crimes are being reported. Not that all crimes are reported, but people are coming in and reporting crimes. Now, I'll give you an example. Let's say they, they, the reports are coming in and somebody in the office is mapping out on a pinpoint map that there's robberies... Every day on this state corner where people are coming out of a train station between the hours of 5 to 7. Now, the police department will respond to that by putting plainclothes officers around there and expect you to make an arrest. Mm. you got to be expected to make an arrest. If there's a robbery there every day between us on certain days, Monday to Friday, from 5 to 7 p.m., when people are coming home from work, the police got to respond by getting out there and catching that robber or robbers. So they'll put plain clothes there, and you're expected to make an arrest, right? I mean, doesn't that make sense mm. to stop the robberies? So you put plain clothes out there to blend in or hide and catch the guys that are committing the robberies because now you know what days and what hours and where you got to come up with a collar. Who started this uh, back when I was growing up um, and being a knucklehead? It was so easy to spot out detectives. I feel like they were wearing every outside football team jersey and jeans and boots. <laughs> Who started that fucking trend in New York? I you know what I'm talking about? Say. Like you, you, you say, well, we wore a lot of uh, army jackets. That yeah, was pretty or, or football jerseys. But that was just stuff. You never that wore was a jersey. You never seen a no, jersey. I didn't wear a guy in but you sports. saw. Have you seen undercovers in jerseys? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I would say that's not something started by the police department. That's just uh, the fashion of the times. Yeah, if but you got everybody in the street wearing when, when jerseys. You're a detective, you wear a jersey, when you're, how are you going to blend in? But when you're a detective, you try to be like something? Is well, you it, blend in. Yeah. Well, depending what kind of detective work you do, most detectives are in suit and tie. Mm-hmm. That wasn't me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did detective work like they did, but I also made pickup arrests. You know, I did like anti-crime work. And my bosses let me get away with that because they I produced on both ends. Mm. I made arrests on my detective cases and I made arrests on pickups. Yeah. So they knew I was producing and making making the police department and the bosses look good too. You ever been suspended? Never been suspended. Really? Never. Not even close? Well, I was taken off the street once because they thought there might be some community arrest, uh, unrest. I wasn't suspended. But I was uh, I was assigned to work indoors until the case went to a grand jury once. Mm. So I stayed indoors for about five weeks. Mm. Now we spoke about therapy. Um, you're familiar with PTSD, right? Yeah. You ever feel like I you, never needed it? Mm. Do you feel like you experience any of that? No. No, not at all. You never feel like any type of, you know, uh, voices never. in your head or nothing. No. I you know I, I reason why I asked voices that, in my head come up with some good ideas though. <laughs> okay, well, I guess so now. I guess now <laughs> now, now you're making, uh, you know, books and, and docu-series. And, and, and no, I never had any uh, psychological problems. Yeah. And I believe that if cops do, if there's anything to do, they shouldn't be a cop. If something they see that affects them, 
you know, I think the stuff you see should harden you up, and you got to go on and handle that for the next 20 years or so. Yeah. You know, if you can't handle it, not everybody's cut out to be a cop. Yeah. Not everybody's cut out to be a doctor. And I don't believe in lowering standards for that either, for anything. You know, you mentioned you know? about teaching you in police academy, even moving moving forward, like, throughout the force. What what, what type of techniques do they teach you for interrogation? Well, you make people repeat things, you know, and uh, if they're not telling the truth, they'll slip up. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, so that's ways to, to try to get the things, truth. You know, you try to backtrack with them and stuff and ask them the same question, different ways, stuff. They, you know, there's methods. And you develop your own uh, techniques as you do it, and you start to hone on your profession, just like an artist would or something. You know, by doing it more, you develop your own technique. Mm-hmm. You got uh, 219 medals. I yes. got that right, right? Do you ever get any money for that or any type no. of, like, just a medal? No, it's just uh, like a, you know, a show of, uh, you know, it's like an appreciation, like an, a- an attaboy. You sure, get something sure. good, you get an award. In other professions, every profession has it. You know, you would get a raise, get a better position. Have you got any raises from, from the medals? Not from the medals, but uh, from my overall performance, I got promoted to a third-grade detective and a second-grade detective. So you, with those ranks come pay raises. But every job, there's some kind of recognition. A medal is just a sign of a recognition for something that's out of the ordinary. Sure. You know, you look at something like, you know, one thing that always bothered me, if, um, I got to bring up the uh, these things about uh, Donnie Brasco, um, Joe Pistone. He uh, read my book and gave it a. His name is in my book. He, not, he gave a blurb on the book. Really? Oh yeah. He uh, it's on the internet. He's on Amazon and in my book covers. He's in there for, uh, you know, recommending my book. He uh, praised me. How did that even book. happen? How does that happen? You no. Know, how how did that happen for you? Well, we knew someone who knew him, and we sent him a copy of the book to read. Yeah. But they call they send out books before they're printed to the public. They send out what's called an arc. Mm. That's an unedited, uncorrected, uh, no cover, no pictures, and they send it to uh, certain people that are, have name recognition, and ask them to read the book and give their review. Sure. You know the reason why I brought him up is Donnie Brasco in you know in you know the real life Joe Pistone. Joe Pistone. You know he took down a, a big leg of the mob at that time. He did a great job. And I don't know how true it is, but he was given a medal and five hundred bucks. No, I don't know anything about that. You, do you remember? Do you ever watch Donnie Brasco at the the, the movie? End? Of yeah. course. Yeah. At the end, he gets a medal, and he gets like five hundred bucks, and he explains like all that for you know. Well, no, no New York City Police Department awards come with money. No, but overall performance. If you yeah. get promoted, there's pay raises. Yeah. Department medals have nothing to do with money. At all, whatsoever. Not even close, not even thought. I never even heard anyone ask someone like that. It's a question like that. Yeah. You know? You mean if, if you mean. You no, know, like even asking, uh, if, if. Never in my life heard that. If, if, if uh, medals you know, come with money? Yeah. No, I mean, look, what, what he did, well, first of all, you know. Um, that must have been some. That didn't come from the. Uh, no, the but feds what I mean is what. Like that it, probably came from a private organization. If, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm a cop. I'm a detective. This is just my thinking. And I did that much work. 
I would be like a five hundred dollars and a fucking and a medal was like a slap in my face, in my opinion. Because keep in mind, in any job, if you if you bring something to the table, you know. He, well, that's how that's how the police organization is. You get a medal if you do something way out of the ordinary. Yeah. You know, it's a sign of recognition to honor you. They got to go into petty cash and, and they, they don't do that. Okay, there's okay. no such thing in police work. You know, you're retired now. Um, you're doing docu-series, you did a book. Uh, do you ever, like, miss being on the force? Every single day. Mm. Wish I could go back tomorrow. Mm. Why is that? Like I said, it's in my blood. Mm. I, I Doing police work for me was, uh, uh, it gave me a rush, you know, an adrenaline rush. I was on an adrenaline rush for 14 years. I ate it up. I loved it. Mm. You know, um, what's this whole story about eight women? I'm hearing that you had eight women. Well, it was more like seven. Okay, seven. Explain, explain to me. Well, that was a. It was talked about because uh, when I got hurt really bad in that last uh, career-ending accident, with a cop, with a cop, yeah, with a police car, went t-boned my car. Uh, I was in the hospital, and uh, prognosis was very bad in the beginning, and I was dating a lot of girls. You know, I didn't have a steady girlfriend then. So I was doing what any uh, young guy that was in my position would be doing. I was dating a lot of girls and juggling them around. And when I was in the hospital, they came to visit me. But on this one day, they all decided to visit at the same time. Mm, mm. And they all got to see and know each other. How did you, how did you get and through I, that? You know, I saw this, and uh, I thought that was a pretty dangerous situation. Mm. So I had time to think, and I made like I passed out from the drugs and the pain I was Painkillers I was on. You know, you, um, what's this I hear that you work at a pizzeria still? Yeah, a friend of mine. Uh, I started working there recently. Doing what? I'm the night manager just on the weekends. Uh, Did you do it for extra money or? No, I was helping my friend out. Mm. You know, he was a a captain in the police department Mm. who put in uh, 40 straight days at uh, the uh, 9 11 site. Mm. He was in a unit. Uh, Manhattan South Task Force mm. that um, was a first responder and was assigned to stay there. And he became very sick from working there. And uh, he opened up this business and he needed help with it. And uh, I came in to help him in the last year. Mm. I hung out there because I had some other friends there and I was always visiting them. And uh, uh, I wound up helping him out and I took on a job, you know, a few hours on the weekend. Yeah, I know you mentioned, uh, um, been mentioned about you're good at reading people. Well, I felt I was. Mm. Seemed like it always helped me in my career. Mm. Is there ever a time that you were not good at reading people? Um, I don't think so. Mm. I think I do pretty good at that. Mm. I had you pegged. What about what? With being being away? I knew you had a problem no, with the police. I don't have a problem. I think Not, you, I think you, you had a point. problem. I don't. Think, I knew there was something. I, why? No, no, I didn't know exactly I, why, but I figured you had some kind of running with the police. No, I knew no. that. I, I'm, I was asking those questions because no, but when you were asking the questions, in my mind, I said you had a run in with the police. More I mean, than I had plenty more of than a wave run-ins with police. I mean, well, that's like, what I mean. I, I knew that. No, but not like. But that was something I read. But not like, not like. Yeah. I read it from just talking to you now. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying it was a bad thing. Yeah. You know, you did your time, you paid your debt, but I knew that you had a run in with law enforcement. Yeah, my my. It wasn't yeah. wasn't a wave. Mm. <laughs> I knew no, it was no, no, a wave. But but what I want to get clear is 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 my you know, 
look, we no, can, you asked me if I could read people. We can, I read you. Well, I mean, I, yeah, but you read me because I I wasn't agreeing with you, and I was kind of. But like, that's why I read it. I yeah. read past these. I disagree with a lot of people, and a lot of people disagree with me. Yeah, that's that's always going on. I mean, but so, I knew that there was more than you waving to a cop. With him giving you a look. No, but th- th- this is all good but times. But I was right. These are all good times, though. I know, but meaning, I was, but I was no, right. No, meaning like the waving is all good times. I, no, I, but I, I got nothing, I'm just yeah. saying the waving thing. I knew it was more than waving yeah. from the questions you asked. Yeah. I knew where you, what direction you were going in. Yeah. But I knew there was a backstory. I knew it. You got to give me one instance where you feel like maybe there was that a cop should be, um, you know, held accountable for what was done. A cop is held accountable for everything he does. George Zimmerman with Trayvon Martin. He wasn't a cop. No, I'm not saying he was a cop. But he wasn't, you know, what do you think of a situation like that? Uh, First of all, he wasn't a cop. Mm. I don't know if he had the proper training. Uh, I wasn't there. Mm. Um, He got cleared, right? Uh, yeah. Florida law cleared him. Stay but, in your ground. But even like, even are you familiar with the the young twelve year old kid from Cleveland, Tamir Rice? You no. know he had the BB gun. Listen, when you're out there doing your job as a police officer, you don't have time to distinguish between a BB gun, a fake gun, and a real gun. If you point a gun at a cop, like I said, that's your choice. Okay, okay. that's your choice. So here's the last one I give you. I don't get. Do I you think the cop? You want him to register that? Could it be a fake gun? Okay, but or there's a water gun. You point a gun at a cop, you got to pay the consequence. Okay, the cop has to react immediately, otherwise he's going to lose his life. The guy I was talking about before, way before, was Walter Scott, right, from Carolina. He got pulled over for a broken taillight, right. Supposedly, I think he, I think that's the guy that didn't have insurance or whatever on his car, so he got out and ran. Okay, the video, cop shot him in the back, three, four, five times. I'm not sure how many killed him. But he was acquitted, and they had video. They don't have video of what's going on in the police officer's mind. You don't think it's They believed, that jury believed, that that officer felt threatened. But Like I told you, I was chasing a guy who had his back to me. How can And he was still trying to kill me. No, I know what you're saying, but I'm saying this guy is unarmed. Unarmed. How could he be a threat to that officer? Would you have handled that differently? I'm not that familiar with the case. I know the case you're talking about. But I know he was acquitted. So 12 people, a jury of his peers, civilians, not cops, found that he wasn't somehow threatened enough that he was justified to use that force. I don't, you weren't there, I wasn't there. But a jury who had every access to every fact said the officer's story was uh, good. No, I know, I know what you're saying, right? but, what, but what I'm saying a is court this. Of law that he, he had was to account unarmed. to. They couldn't fucking, they couldn't uh, uh, mace Listen, him. They couldn't hit him with a fucking billy club. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm not, but I'm, not, I'm just talking with you. I was like, like I know, but yeah. I don't know. I wasn't there. But the jury who had the facts decided, who who had much more facts than the, the public or you or me, mm. right? They had access to everything and they did their job. And these weren't police judging them that you would say is bias. This was 12 civilians. Mm. I still, like I said, I still think that the... What about the other one where the whole country got up in arms over 
Oh, uh, Mike Brown? Hands up, don't shoot. Mike Brown. And that was all fake. Why is that fake? He never. Had, he didn't put his hands up. But you weren't there. All the testimony proved it. And the guy who said it said, admitted he lied. The whole thing was a fake. Forensic evidence proved that he was reaching for the cop's gun. He attacked him through the window. Forensic evidence proved that his hands weren't up the way the blood. They know. If your hands are up, how your blood flows, all the position. And they know all that. It was all proven. And the guy who made it up lied. And they had witnesses before that, the construction guys but, but, that were black that were across the street. But saw it. But there are a lot. There, there are a lot of um, you know. If you look at it, there are that was a lie perpetrated on American people. But there, that was proven to be a lie. There, there was videotape though. There was videotape. I don't know if you've seen that where they were. Uh, I think it was in a helicopter where um, people were just assuming that these people were criminals because they were black or they were assuming that these people were criminals because... No, they assume they're criminals because they act in a criminal manner. Mm. It doesn't matter what color they are. Yeah. What about OJ? You act in a certain manner, you're a criminal. What about OJ? Guilty as could be. Mm. But the jury acquitted OJ. Okay, he got away with murder. Why? Did he know somebody on the force? He he had a lot of money for the greatest legal team ever done, Mm. ever made. Mm-hmm. He had like 10 of the highest-priced lawyers in the country. Mm. He even had a team ready for an appeal if he got commic- uh, convicted. Mm. Mm. Well, listen, what's next for Ralph Friedman? Well, hopefully a second book. Hopefully foreign rights to the book. Hopefully a second season. And hopefully a screenplay for a motion picture. Mm. Hopefully, I don't what about girls? You still got eight girls? No, I'm down seven, to I mean, one. Seven. I'm, I'm down to one. One really? Why one? Late, since the accident, mm. I stayed with that one girl who uh, came every day and waited out all the other girls. Mm. I'm still with her. Mm. So the most supported you stayed with? Hey, what's, she that's proved good. her metal right there. In 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 the midst of time where you I'm so busy, some... I don't have time for other girls now. Really? Yeah. How old are you? Uh, sixty. I'll be sixty nine in a couple of months. And you joined the force when you were what twenty? Uh, I joined the force actually when I was 19, and I was too young. You had to be 21. Mm. They called me when I was 19. So I did non-law enforcement work as a police trainee working indoors. I was in the station house, and I learned everything from the inside first. Mm. You know, I learned, uh, you know, we did filing. We did telephone switchboard. We did fingerprinting. We did everything that was done indoors by cops so they could put more cops on the street. Mm. So I did that for exactly two years, almost to the day. You say that the training is good. It's it's better these days. It's more advanced. But do you Much think they put advanced. in the time like you have? Like, you know, that may help them even more get to know the inside. Like you say, get to know, get to know. Like, I feel like it's pretty simple to become a police officer these days. You know, the, the process well, is they have psychological tests you got to pass first. The academy is longer. The training is longer. Mm. You have to have a college degree, certain amount of college credits mm. uh, for each rank. You know, I, I think, in my opinion, they always did, uh, uh, you know, good training. I think the screening is weak today. You know, the, the police department, well, not the police department, but the city brags about, uh, you know, how many different uh, countries we get officers from. A lot of these countries, you can't vet them like they, they used to vet us today. You know, back then. Today, you come from another country, they can't even get your records. We used to be, uh, you know, micro-screened by, uh, if you got a parking ticket, they 
you had to go through a whole thing. And they used to go to your neighbors and everybody you work for you. They can't do that in other countries. How do you feel about um, there's a lot of offices now. That I think they passed where uh, the um, I think you could keep a beard like they, they they were Muslim and they also have a turban. You know, where no, they put, I don't believe in that. There's uh, a uniform. Uh, if you can't adhere to it, then you don't take the job. Then why then, you don't? They, why the job why, shouldn't yeah. adhere to you. You have to adhere to the job. You know, just like any job. You have parameters that you got to so, take. So why why did that get approved? Why didn't what? It got approved. You know that because of April. a liberal society. It's very liberal. Mm. You know, and that's not helping society. But they want to be so liberal that, you know, it filters into every job and every aspect. But if there's you, certain- know, you don't you don't tell them if you're a, a Muslim or a religious Jewish person or a religious anything, they shouldn't cater to you. You you're taking the job. You got to adhere to the job. Mm. You know, if you take a job as uh, that requires you to wear a suit and tie, or you know, you have requirements in your job. Mm. So you know, the job can't bend to you. You got to bend to the job if you want the job and for them to pay you. You know, because um, today everybody sues everybody. Mm. You know, everything's a lawsuit. Yeah. You know, everything is infringing on everybody's rights. You know, most um, most people always think that cops uh, go for Dunkin' Donuts or donuts. You know, they say that a lot. I'm sure you hear that. You know, oh, cops go for donuts. What was uh, some of your food spots that you like to uh, visit? Well, I never ate donuts because it's. it's I'm not garbage. saying you did. I'm just saying this is what I you like know. pizza. They say the pigs. <laughs> wait, wait. You know, pizza. Yeah. What else? Anything else that you would frequent? No, nah, at those times, you know, I thought it was a little risky eating in certain places. Mm. So uh, I most of the time ate at home before I went to work, and I could wait till I get off. Or I'd go to a somewhere that I knew was police friendly, like the uh, courthouse diners that catered to lawyers and police, stuff like that. Mm. Um, I know we spoke about it uh, briefly, but what's keeping you busy these days? Well, the book keeps me kept me busy, and I'm still busy promoting it and doing interviews, like I'm doing right now with you, mm. and the. TV show that I'm being, uh, doing interviews for, too. And um, the last couple of years, that's what I worked on, the TV show and the book. And I started doing a couple of odd jobs here and there. I did a security gig and I managed a pizza store once in a while on the weekend. So, you know, I, I keep busy. I've been working on a house. You know, I'm, uh, I bought a home and I'm working on that. And I'm raising a dog, you know. I, I definitely keep busy. Do you do PI work? You ever do PI work? No, no. Okay. Never, never wanted to get nah, into that? I like, uh, I like being a New York City police officer. Mm. If you're going to play the game, might as well be in the big league. Now, did you like uh, Giuliani? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he was a law enforcement and brought uh, law enforcement back to New York. They definitely like Giuliani. What about security? Do you ever think about doing security or anything like that? Well, I do a little security on a Sunday night. Mm. For like you a know? club or? No, for a, on, on a, privately for a wealthy couple. Mm. Mm. Okay, so you oh, so you move around town with them? No, no, I stay on the property. Mm. Okay, how does that even come about? Uh, just connections, mm. just connections. Mm. Okay, well, listen, internets, Ralph Freeman. We went back and forth. We, uh, you know, we agreed on some things, and we agreed and we, to disagree, and we disagreed on some <laughs> things. You know, I do believe um, that. Um, People and cops need to, but, you know, more so I think that a lot of cops need to be um, 
held more accountable in my opinion. I know I probably won't get that answer from, you know, that 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 response from you. Not at all. But um, I think judges need to be more responsible and be held more accountable and parole boards. Mm. Mm. Cuz you see these guys committing crimes and serious crimes and killing people and they've been in and out of jail 30 times or they get no time. You know, how could you have 30 arrests and not be put away for good? You already proved that you're not fit to live with society. Mm. So you got to be put away. And that's the judge's responsibility. If he lets somebody out and they go kill someone, he should be held accountable. Yeah. No, no. no not. Hey, listen, I, I say this, I say this, and I say this wholeheartedly. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a person that's killing 30 people and you, you know, you're out here and, and living that type of life, yeah, you deserve what's to come to you. But, you know, and this is not for you, you know, I, I, I don't need your response to, you know, in all due respect to, to a guy, like I said, that guy who, um, who got pulled over for a broken taillight and was running and got killed and shot from the back. I, I will never agree with that, you know? Well, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm saying I wasn't there. Yeah. No, no, I'm not I trying to get that out. And yeah. not only not being there, I didn't have privy to all the facts mm. like a jury did who acquitted him. That's yeah. all. Well, listen, one day um one day I feel like uh some police will uh com- you know um police the community and and be cool with some people who wave to me when they come in the, you know. Uh, like, I'm going to talk to some cops I know and then tell hey, them Hey, was I get a fucking PBA to you. card? You got a PBA I'm gonna card? I'm going to wave have them wave to you with a smile. What kind of PBA cards do you get? Um this PBA, none, I, that, none that's, now, that's, that's my last out. question. What about it? Fucking people sit here and say, oh, I got a PBA. Fuck you. Does PBA cards even mean anything? When you pull people over, okay, and they get, showed you a PBA card, did you fucking, were you like, all right, you know, did you care? Yes, I cared. Really? That means that their family or a good enough friend gave it to them, and I, I would respect it. Mr. Freeman, I need a PBA card. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Listen, go. Uh, I can't make no promises. Go check out the um, the docu series. Um, go check out the book. Okay, uh, what, what are you on Instagram or I mean Facebook? No. Uh, um, Ralph Freeman. No, uh, Street uh, Street Justice, the Bronx mm-hmm. is uh, the Facebook page for the show. Mm-hmm. The book is Street Warrior. That's on Amazon.com mm-hmm. and and probably Barnes and Nobles. Barnes and Nobles yep, in the stores. Yep. Okay. Okay, well, listen, um, I appreciate you coming by. Um, Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, uh, it was an enlightening story. No hard story. feelings. <laughs> it's an enlightening <laughs> story. Internet's uh, uh, the most decorated detective, detective in New York City, Mr. Ralph Friedman. Internet's, if you enjoyed that episode, I want you to reach out to me. Email me. Tweet me, okay? Email thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. At Twitter, at premiumpeatshow.com. At Premium P Show on Instagram, at Premium P, at Premium P Show also. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you didn't like. And also, to all my small businesses or big businesses, no matter how small or big you are, you want to advertise with the Premium P Show, get at me. The Premium P Show at gmail.com, and we'll figure something out, okay? Now make sure you subscribe, rate, and tell a friend to tell a friend. And I'll see you next episode. Cheer.